I know a lot of people think, hey, I got to save all of my money and try to invest it, which isn't sustainable. That's like saying I'm going to go on a diet eating broccoli all the time. But Welcome back to another fun, exciting episode. And Brian Driscoll is with us today. Brian has a long history of success in marketing, and he was like doing some stuff. And then all of a sudden, he purchased a real estate property, and he noticed on the closing statement, there was a $15,000 wholesale fee attached to his deal. And he said, wait a minute, what if I took all this marketing experience that I have and used it for myself to look for real estate deals in my town, in my neighborhood, in my hood of Pittsburgh, could I get that to work? And so, you know, here we are many years and many dollars later, he set up a, just a little, you know, kind of carrot site to tempt people. He totally crushed it. And now he has a company called Motivated Leads. Brian, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me on. So, you know, I'm sure it wasn't just as easy as like, oh, I'll just throw up this website and just see what happens, right? I mean, you had to have done some things to drive people to that site. You, I mean, how did you actually make this work? Because believe me, I've, I've got a lot of websites hanging around out there and they're complete oblivion. No one knows they exist. Right. Yeah. And you're right too, because you have a website, you have to get people to the website, right? right. <laughs> so what we did, I used a website platform. It was real easy to set up. It's carrot.com. So they specialize in making web. It's basically you sign up for a site. You might pay them 99 bucks a month or something. You put in your name, you put in your city, you press a button and then the website appears and it's full of content and everything like that. So what? yeah, it's, it's like su super simple. So I, I was just beta testing and I'm like, you know what, let me just stick something up. Cause I don't want to go and spend thousands of dollars and all this time making sites. So we just slapped one up just to see it was literally like, let's slap it up. And we put Facebook ads to it. So that's where the traffic came from. We ran Facebook ads to see if we could even generate leads, if it, like what it would look like. So what, and you're looking, those are for, we're specifically looking for properties that could, you could potentially wholesale or, or investors or what were you, who were you looking for at that point? So what I was looking for is I was looking to buy properties. So just because I bought a property and I saw this wholesale fee, I'm like, geez, 15,000 bucks, which is cool. I respect wholesalers and I buy from wholesalers. Yeah. But it's like, I wonder if I could find the deals myself and just cut the middleman out. <clears throat> so I was looking to buy properties. Like I, I buy properties, I fix them and I, uh, I just keep them as rentals. Um, so we started marketing like this. And the thing with Facebook is you, you can't market the one zip code in the real estate space just because of the discrimination, things like that. Yeah, they yeah. make you do the whole city or a 15 mile radius. So we started getting a ton of leads, but I didn't want most of them. <clears throat> it's like, I only want my, I only invested in one zip code where I live. So then we started partnering up with wholesalers and joint venturing JV in on those. Um, but yeah, it was just a fun experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it must've been, how did you feel when like that first lead rolled in? First lead rolled in. I'm like, Oh crap. I got to drop what I'm doing to call them. Cause like speed's really important with online leads, you know? Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. But now I used to work next to a guy. I'm a real estate agent and investor. And I used to work next, you know, my desk used to be next to a desk of a guy who did cold calling all day for real estate. And he had a really, he really had it down when he would talk to the people, what he would say to them when he got them on the phone. What, when you called your first person, I mean, how did that go? Uh, it goes pretty smooth. So I'm nor I'm used to dealing with people. So basically, and this is a mistake I see a lot of people doing too. Okay, let's even take a step back. When someone fills out a form online wanting to sell their house, sometimes they don't even know what they're looking for. Yeah. So they Google like sell my house fast or something like that. They come across a website and they fill out a form. 
So a lot of people call them back and say, and like, hey, how much do you want? And they go right for the jugular, <laughs> which sometimes these people just inherited a home. They don't even know wholesalers or investors exist. They're just right. like, how do I get rid of this property? Because I just inherited a house that has a bad foundation, needs 50 grand at work. I'm working paycheck to paycheck. I can't afford to fix it to even get it ready for the MLS. Right. So what I like to do is I like to call and basically I want to find out what's your problem. It's like, is, do you want to sell fast or is your property just hammered? Like, what are you dealing with? And then I can think, start thinking, it's like, how can I solve that problem? It's like, if speed's the issue, okay, now I know. Or if price is the issue, if you want to get more money, things like that, then you kind of can use your head and come up with a good dispo and like a win-win situation for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. I um, One of the things he used to say to people is, what are you going to do when you sell your house? Because th that helped him to figure out if people were really serious, right? Because they're like, oh, I don't know. You know, but if they're like, I'm going to move to Florida, I'm going to do this, that, and that. Then they really are at a point where they're almost ready to let the house go, right? Because a lot of times he's calling people in the house where they, then they're living there. So it's, it's really a different scenario. That's a good question though. Yeah. Cause it, yeah. Cause you can kind of weed out the tire kickers for the people that are like, I'm just thinking about it versus I'm out of here in 60 days and I already have my place lined up and I need to sell my house. Exactly. It's true. It really, it, it gets you there. <laughs> it gets you there faster. Um, so now I know a lot of people even, so this is a terrible thing about me. I don't like talking on the phone. And so I get people from my co-working space. They'll say, okay, I'm interested in a free trial. And then I, I like look at them I'm like, oh, no, I got to call. <sighs> I mean, you obviously, <laughs> you must not have that, uh, Gene. <laughs> Well, but did you ever have a time when you thought, gee, I feel a little weird, like calling up this random stranger? Well, I don't have the problem calling people, but I do like, like put it in motivated leads, like our lead generating business. Now we get more leads than we can even handle. And, it, and when it calls, it's like, if you don't book an appointment, we're not even calling you just because it's like, like you're saying, it's like, oh man, I gotta, it's going to take a lot of time and half the people aren't even qualified. So I have it more on that side. Um, Good. But I used to telemarket, so it's like I'm used to calling. Uh, That's what I actually Brian Tracy said this one time. If you make a hundred phone calls in a day, you're just gonna be over it. You know, just get over it. Just do it. Call up a bunch of people, and then and then you'll just wash all that reticence out of your system, and you'll be like, okay, okay. Yeah, it's so, funny you get lucky too whenever you make a lot of phone calls. It's like yeah, exactly. The more people I call, the luckier I get. Right. Yep. <laughs> the harder I work, the luckier I get. Exactly. <laughs> So Brian, are you doing any, you're, so you're doing, sorry, having tongue tied issues. When you get your properties now, are you only buying them for yourself? Or are you also doing any wholesaling for, for to, to other investors? No, currently now I just buy properties for myself. Yeah. So I buy them, fix them. And I buy them the same way as I would if I'm wholesaling or flipping. It just, at this point in my life, it's like, I just want to keep them. I kind of hoard houses. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about what you're doing with them when you're keeping all these houses. Yeah, sure. So, so here's how a deal traditionally looks. I'm in Pittsburgh. I live in Bethel Park. It's a suburb. So the average house in this, in this area is probably like 250,000. I'm looking for houses to pick up like around one to 125 that need a lot of work, not a lot of work, but need significant work. I want to pick them up, like say for a hundred grand, put like 30 or 40,000 into them. Yeah. Then they appraise out at say 225. So I go to the bank. I'm like, hey, the property is worth 225. I need a loan for 140 to recoup my cash. And then I go do it again. Yeah. And then what I do with those is um, normally I don't even do the remodel myself anymore. I have a project manager. 
he comes in, which that's a smart thing for anyone looking to get into this, either partner up or with somebody that knows construction, like someone knows how to do So I can do a kitchen for five grand. I talked to some guys that are new in the business. So like, yeah, we spent 20,000 on a kitchen. It's like, you can't do that in the investor space. You need the Lowe's off the shelf cabinets, uh, bottom shelf granite, things like you want to do a good job, but you don't need custom cabinets, things like that. So get, so get someone that knows. Um, yeah. But I put in the project manager. He hits me up like 45 days later. Hey, we're done. Then I hit it, send it over to my um, property management company. They rent it out. And then, then we're making money. So, and that's what they call the burr strategy, right? Buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. Did I get that right? You got it perfect. <laughs> and that, so that, and that's what you do. And so you're buying a place with cash, right? In this initial, in this, the burr works because you start off with cash. So you don't have huge holding costs. You don't have, you know, you're not paying loans. You don't need to try to convince a bank that this, that this, thing that looks like a rabble is actually going to be, and you're not doing hard money because that's really your option right. for that type of property, right? Yeah. Now you're when I started, I had to come out, I had to do 20% down and take loans out. Like my first deal, I didn't have a hundred thousand bucks sitting around. So yeah. some yeah. people may not, so they have to go the traditional route. And, but that limits the property you can buy. It does because like, like one of my first properties, say I bought a hundred thousand dollar property. I got to put 20 down plus closing costs. So say, I don't know, 25,000, you have that out of pocket. That money's now gone. Right. Like unless you refinance, so it's like it's really hard to do it that way because then you got to save up another 25 grand and your money keeps disappearing. It's yeah. in equity, but you can't keep recycling it. Right. Exactly. And that's the beauty of that. So <clears throat> like Brian said, if you're just starting out and you don't have any option, it's okay. You know, you can do it that way and you can start to get some equity in there. But then you're looking for properties that are just cosmetics. And I feel like there's more competition with that. And you maybe have to be a little luckier. Make a few more phone calls where if like what you were talking about before, like a foundation issue, a lot of people shy away from that. And and that back to, I'm just trying to validate everything you just said, like you're back to what your construction manager is so valuable because when you walk through a property as a new person, somebody just starting out in the, in the idea of real estate investing and renovating and flipping or burring or whatever, when you go look at a property, you might look at it and say, yeah, okay, you know, it looks pretty good. You know, everything's okay. <laughs> but then a, a construction manager is going to go out there and say, whoa, you know, you got 50 grand right here. I remember one property, just for some reason, it just reminded me of a property that I went to look at with a client and the foundation was here and the house was like, had slid off the foundation by like an inch and a half. And I'm looking, I'm going, holy crap. You know I mean? And there's all these people walking through the house, you know, homeowners are just like, oh, it's, it's not, you know, it needs some paint. I'm like, no, it's sliding off the foundation. It's like that major, major stuff going on here. <laughs> yeah, it, you know what? It's funny you say that too. So I got my project manager, he handles stuff. But my first house I bought, I used a property inspector. His name is Brian. Charges like 500 bucks. And this is a house that I was going to live in. And uh, he went through, did the whole rundown. He makes that any property inspector is going to make the house look like crap. They find everything. Uh, but what I did also, which is a little bit overkill, but every single property I've purchased, I've had him walk it. I pay him his 500 bucks. And most of the time, that's fine. He saved me from buying a house. So that it was, I don't know. I don't know if you know if they have these in, in where you are, but it was called a Sears kit house. Yeah. You know about those? Yeah. So he's like, he's like, this is a Sears kit house and it was built wrong. And it was an oh, expensive no. house. This was like a 200, $250,000 house. We were, it was probably the most expensive we were looking for. And I backed away from that because of him. I would not have known that. 
uh, the things he found out. So anyone, especially when you're just getting into it, find a reputable pro- project or pro- property inspector. Yeah. Yeah. And have them, have them walk it, just pay them their money to, to see, because you're not going to notice things. Right. And you can't know everything, right? I mean, you, until you've walked through hundreds of homes yourself. Right. Right. I mean, this looks fine. That looks fine. And then you're like, oh, that's asbestos. Oops. Oh, that's a, you know, oh, we've got mold. Oh, we've got, right? I mean, all kinds of stuff that you, you may not recognize as a homeowner that somebody is going to, right. And I don't, and not even a homeowner, a person who's trying to get into this for the first time, you know, right. maybe you're a carpenter and you know a lot about carpentry. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have somebody who knows a lot about electricity and, you know, other things that you're just not as familiar with. Um, to go through the house with you. And yeah, absolutely. Even though that guy has paid for himself, right? How many times just by saving you the trouble of buying a house that was put together wrong. Yep. Yeah. Unbelievable. Fun. So yeah. you're, you're not involved at all with your tenants. No, not it. I, I was, yeah. I don't play well with tenants. Right. <laughs> I did. I did my own property management in the beginning. And my problem is I'm too nice. Yeah. So I'll meet a tenant that wouldn't qualify but they meet me like, Hey, I'm getting kicked out of my place. I really need this place. I turned myself around. I got a job I'm like, okay, don't screw me over. I'm going to do this. And then six months later, they quit paying rent. And then they, they leave after a couple months of not paying rent. They leave their whole house full of garbage yep. and it's just like totally trash. So, yep. so I don't do that anymore. And it, you, you're singing the exact song that so many people, and that's why a lot of people don't want to be a landlord because they're like, I know I'm going to get walked all over because I just know I'm a softie, right? As a real estate agent, I started off doing rentals and I rented to one person. I didn't even rent. I convinced a landlord and I'm sure it was against his better judgment. I convinced the landlord to take this family. They'd moved from Florida. Their house had been foreclosed on because at that point, the Florida market was completely, you know, bust. I'm like, it wasn't their fault. Florida just, you know, Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the first thing she asks me when we're signing the lease is how late can I pay my rent without getting a penalty? And I'm like, are you shitting me right now? I just, you know, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. and, and you got to learn, like, like you got to get punched in the face and see some people are, are probably really good at that. I just know that's, I need the buffer because then I just look at the numbers just yeah, like, okay, yeah. they qualify or not. Exactly. And that saves you from discrimination claims. It saves you from everything. You just need that insulating layer and you can be a nice person and not <laughs> never know that somebody else is saying no every day on your behalf. Cause yeah, that's what they do for a living. Right. Oh man. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who's thinking, yeah, you know, I really think I can do a burr. I got, I'm kind of handy. I can do my thing. What would you say to that person? First thing I would say is go out and do it. So a lot of people are like, a lot of people keep thinking, they're like, okay, well, I got to figure out where I'm going to get the money and I'm going to figure out how I'm going to fix the house. And then all this stuff, it's like, go out there and find the property, like get out there and start actively doing it. If you're just starting, you probably don't need to pay for marketing. You could probably drive for dollars or do something really cheap or post in Facebook groups. Just go out there and find the property. Once you find it, then figure out what's next. Like, obviously you want to know a little bit, but I see a lot of people just get held up on. I got to get my contractors lined up. I got to get all this lined up and they never get to start. Yeah. So that's what I say. Just start. Just do it. Analysis paralysis. I'll get you every time. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, oh, I got to, oh, I got to tick all these boxes. I got to just find the property. That's the hard part. The money will materialize. You know, if you, worst case, you get some partners or whatever, you know, you'll find the money, you'll find the people, but you just get to get the property and just do it. 
That's excellent okay. advice. I love that. You know what? Yeah, I'll tell you a story too, real quick one, just on this topic. So I got, I have three kids, right? They're 11, nine and eight. And they come up to me and, uh, like two months ago, like, hey dad, we want to build a tree house. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Not thinking, I didn't even know what was involved with it. And this <laughs> whole process, I'm like, okay, if we want to build a tree house, it's like eight feet in the air. It's like 10 by 12. Like if we want to start, all I need to do is I need to frame, like even figure out how to do the base. So I didn't think about anything else other than, which I found this Nelson guy on TV, like the TV guy sells stuff that mount into trees. So we just have to get the, the pillars in. And it's like, okay, after that, okay, well, what's next then? And that's kind of how I'm doing a process. It's like, just figure out what you need to do first. Yeah. And our current stage is we just put the floorboards down and now have two by four. So I have to figure out how to frame, but it's like, as long as you're making forward movement, you're going to be okay. Just keep, keep that momentum going. You're absolutely right. And you, cause you could look at that project and say, you know, if you stand at the bottom of the tree, you're looking up and you're going, man, this is going to suck. We're going to have to carry all those heavy pieces of wood up there. We're going to, how are we going to get plywood for the floor? What are we going to do? Blah, blah. And you, you would just stand at the bottom of that tree crying for like that. And, and then you'd never build that house. You'd never build that tree house. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the problem with this is I told my kids we're doing it. So I couldn't <laughs> even back out. It's like, I already told you guys I had my foot in my mouth. So I'm like, this is a big project, you know? Right. But you can just go get a crane and like lift right. something up there and be done in an afternoon. <laughs> but then you wouldn't have that beautiful bonding experience. Right. Yeah. And the, the bonding experience is starting to happen now because the whole first month, all the wood's too heavy. They can't even lift it. Yeah. So I'm just doing it myself. But now they get to start, <laughs> start feeling the pain. I was like, I call it. I have them carrying the light stuff up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That sounds like a fun project though. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So what's been, what would you say has been the highlight of your journey as a real estate investor? Um, well, I like, I like taking junky stuff and fixing it. So I, I really like that on the real estate side. I don't necessarily do the real estate as much for cash flow now and profit. I, I more do it as I want to buy properties and push the money into the future. <laughs> uh, but it's really weird. I was just looking at, looking at this like last week. I'm like, man, I've accumulated a lot of wealth through buying properties. And I bought some properties I didn't even think were, they're like borderline on a good deal or not. And then looking back, you're like, boy, I was a genius on those <laughs> just because of appreciation and things like that. And then the taxes and everything. So it's like, yeah. it accumulates a lot. Cause I was, someone was, someone was just having a debate on a Facebook group. They're like, Hey, you have uh, all this equity tied up in your properties. You could do other stuff with it. I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, I don't know what I could take that money and do other than with real estate, because it, it grows so fast. Right. You know, and as long as you're in good neighborhoods and you have good property management and things like that, but it, it like creates a lot of wealth pretty exactly. quick with little, like not, it's not little effort. You got to get, you got to fail a couple of times, but it's not like I'm digging ditches. Yeah. And that's interesting. You say that because your mindset is exactly, I think the mindset that you have to have, like, yeah, you might fail a couple of times, but then you've learned and then you don't do that again and you just move on. Right. Instead of saying, oh, I, you know, this just broke even. I'm really, that really sucks. I'm no good at this. Right. It's just like, oh, okay. I learned that. Now I got to know this. Now I'm going to bring my person through to walk through these properties with me. Now I'm going to figure this out. And oh, interest rates went up. Okay. Well, that's okay. Because now I know you're not big into what, into debt, right? You don't like to have tons of the debt. Like you say, using your equity, I could go buy a castle with my money, whatever, and rent that out. But you're, you've got your niche of single family homes, right? Is it primarily single family homes that you're investing in? Yeah. All single families, all in ones that pit. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you know what you're doing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, do you, so I like that. It's, I mean, there's lots of different, a lot of people are investing in neighborhoods they've never even walked through. Right. And I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, I, the cheapest house, I mean, the, you can get a $500,000 fixer upper in my town and it's, it's crap. You know, I'll walk through it and I mean, you can't add any value to this place. I mean, you can add a lot of money, but you're not going to pull it out. You've got to wait now for whatever till, you know, 15 years for them <laughs> because as, as, as much as you're going to put into it, you're, that's all it's going to be worth, right? If I put 70,000 in, it's going to be worth 70,000 more. And that's not an investment. Right. Plus you've got a lot, even for just 20% down, you've got a lot of money tied up in there. And I just, it just doesn't feel that great. So for me, I would have to drive like an hour and a half to the West or the North or, you know, the, the South, no, no, not the South, just those are my only options, West or North. And then I could probably find a halfway decent place that would be a real fixer upper for like 250. Right. Yeah, it all depends. Like everyone's like some people, some people want to flip. Some some people do land. It's like yeah. it's like you just got to pick what you want. Like so, I do I do the buy and hold because what I know and it fits. Some yeah. people like flipping. Some people like wholesaling. Some people like doing sub two deals, like owner financed. It's like yeah. there's so many different ways. They all work if done consistently. It's absolutely right. Exactly right. Every and you can't say one thing works and one thing doesn't because obviously in every category, there are tons of people making a ton of money. So yep. yeah, absolutely. Cool. So what do you wish you knew back when you started this thing that you oh, didn't man. know then, but you know, now I wish I would have bought more houses like looking back and, and also like, it, yeah, I wish I would have bought more places. Like, look, I wish I would have aggressively looked more, but back then too, it looked like it was the top of the market. Like it's yeah. been the top of the market for a while. Like it just keeps going up. Everyone's like, this thing's going to drop sometime and it doesn't. So yeah, I, I wish I would have uh, purchased more properties basically. Yeah. This COVID made this, I think an artificially long cycle because all of a sudden people's, you know, had to redecorate themselves, you know, re, re move themselves around to a place that would accommodate this new lifestyle. And now I think interest rates have given us a kind of are prolonged, at least in my area, they're prolonging the cycle because there's just no inventory in that, in that band of, you know, 350 to 650. There's just very little property Yep. because right. Who wants to sell their three and a half percent interest rate to go buy a six and a half percent interest rate? <laughs> Nobody. Are you going to keep doing what you're doing or do you have like a different, um, goal or plan or thought for if, how you'd want to change things up or uh, shake things up. You know what? I was thinking about it. So I do single families in my neighborhood and it's a nice neighborhood. So we got good tenants, things like that. Yeah. And I was debating because single families kind of suck because you have, to, <laughs> you have to do them all like roof, kitchen, all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking maybe get into multi-user apartments yeah. because you have one roof for all of them. It's just, it's just, it's just additional zeros, but you only got to find a property once. But my, but I keep weighing the options on that because number one, if say back in 2008, if I, if you wanted to, if you were in a situation you needed to liquidate, it was going to be hard unless you didn't know that much money. Yeah. So I always look at single families. I can liquidate in a second if I own them right, because they're for families. Like it's right. all the population. If I get into commercial and uh multifamily stuff like that, now I'm only selling to investors. Right. And you're dealing with tenants that want to rent apartments versus families that want to rent houses. So yeah. I keep going back and forth on that. I'm sticking with the houses for now, but it's always in the back of my head. It's like, because I have the cash now, 
it's like I could do bigger things, yeah. but I, I can't buy bigger, bigger houses. Like at some point they don't make sense for a rental. No, like, exactly. Those are the things I, I debate on, on my side. So it's like, I'm going to keep doing this for now, but I'm also right at this moment holding cash versus going out and trying to buy a bunch of deals because I, I got a feeling something's going to happen in a market. So it's like, unless a real smoker pops up, I'm chilling out for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do any hard money lending or anything like that? No, no, I've never, um, I've never lent, I've lent money, hard money, but I've never borrowed hard money. Yeah. That's what I meant. Lent it. Yeah. Well, it's just sitting in your pocket now. So you lend it to somebody. Yeah. And you know what? I lent it to one person, but I looked at hard money and the whole value is having cash in my pocket. So I, I don't really even like lending it out because when that deal pops up, you got to be able to act like instantly. It's yeah. not like, Hey, you know what? I got to go find the money. Yeah. It's like, it's like, no, I have it here. And if I, if I lend it out to other people, I might make 10% back. It's like, but when that deal pops up, you're gonna make a hundred thousand dollars on, you don't have the cash anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Well, I did some, but it was not enough to buy a house with anyway. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it's good. Cause you get a return and everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Compared to putting it in some, you know, whatever. Right. Somebody said the other day, oh, you know, um, Vanguard's paying 4.7% on their saving, you know, and their whatever now. And I was like, great. Good for them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting 10. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and hard money rates will probably be going up soon too, I think. Yeah. I mean, they probably should have already. I lent it to a friend. So I kept with, I was, you know, I kept everything. I felt very fair and, and uh, low price, but uh, you're right. They should definitely be, and they probably already have. I haven't talked right. to anybody lately, but if they were like, you know, 10 to 12% before that probably double that, not double that, but they're probably 15, 16, right back up to there now. Right. And that really kills your, your return. If you're trying to do a project with hard money. It does. And then, and then I even think not to go in a rabbit hole, but even the commercial loans, like I have all commercial loans, they reset every five years. So it's like, you want to look at cash flow. Yeah. In five years, your interest just went from two or three to like seven. Yeah. Like if you don't have the properties owned right, if you bought them an over leverage and you have a bunch of them, like like I got a buddy who owns like 400 properties. You take that kind of properties and just lose a hundred dollar cash flow a month. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Absolutely. And yeah, just to interest. Yep. Good points. Good point. You're doing it right. You're doing it smart. I, I know you talk to some people who are really young, who've never lived through a market cycle and they just think, right. And you could have been in the market for a long time and just seen it go up and up and up, right. You could have started in 2008 or nine and all this time you're watching the market go up and you think this market's just always going to go up, but it's not, it's right. not. And if your whole plan is based on the market always increasing, guess what? <laughs> There's going to come a day when you're going to be very sad. <laughs> yeah, and it hurts when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. So what else do you want us to know? What do you, I mean, I know we could have talked about a million different things, Brian, but um, based on what we've been talking about, people talking to people who are trying and thinking about getting into real estate investing, thinking maybe that they could do some wholesale, some burrs. Um, what do you wish I would have asked you that I haven't asked you or what should we bring up? What do you want to bring um, up? One thing, well, number one, just like get started doing it. I would say there's a book. Have you ever read the book, uh, Richest Man in Babylon? Yes. Okay. I would recommend everybody read that book. I attribute the success, like my financial success to that one book because it taught me don't get involved with like shady stuff, how to hold money aside and invest it, but also not be frugal. Like I know a lot of people think, hey, I got to save all of my money 
and try to invest it, which isn't sustainable. That's like saying I'm going to go on a diet eating broccoli all the time. But um, that book right there, it showed, okay, you pull some money aside, make that money go work for you, but also uh, go buy your wife dresses, things like that, and live too. Like how to budget your money and, and section things off. So I think that's like a huge thing, especially for someone starting out yeah. to read that. And it's a cool book too, because it's all like parables and things. It's really old. Yeah. It is. It's a wonderful book. And there are a lot of great, are a lot of great tidbits in there. Not even tidbits. There are lessons to live by. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, so anyone starting, get started, read that book yeah. and then just do it. And then just do it. Excellent. Right. Excellent advice. Brian, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And thank you, listener, for listening. I want you to figure out who can I forward this episode to? What five people can I forward this episode to who are going to really benefit from all that Brian has shared today? Oh, Brian, by the way, if people want to reach out to you, is that okay? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. They can reach out to me at my website's motivatedleads.com. Excellent. And you help other people get leads for their business, right? We do. That's actually what we do. We generate uh, leads of motivated sellers, like people that want to sell their house all across the country. Amazing. That's fantastic. So yeah, you may want to become a, a client of motivated leads and we'll put that into the show notes for you. Sounds yeah. So good. send Brian's episode to somebody and come back next week.